grace and peace in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all and welcome to worship with Morrisville Presbyterian Church whether you are a longtime member or a first-time visitor it is a joy to worship with all of you this day if you are here in the sanctuary this morning you will find a red friendship folder in your pew I'm going to invite you to fill it out, uh, prov providing the information that is inside, um, in case we need that information in the future. We are glad you are here worshiping with us this morning. Beloved church, we come to this place as we are. We come tired on the journey, hungry for more, with hearts full with words to sing. And no matter who or how we are, God meets us here in this place. So let us worship God together. Please stand and join me in our responsive call to worship. It is good to praise the Lord and make music in your name, O Most High, to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. To the music of the ten-string lyre and the melody of the harp, for you make me glad by your deeds, O Lord. I sing for joy at the works of your hands. How great are your works, O Lord! How profound your thoughts! You, O Lord, are exalted forever. Please remain standing and join me in singing hymn number 307, God of Grace and God of Glory.
be seated. Let us draw near to God with sincerity of heart, knowing that with faith there is assurance of forgiveness. Our guilty hearts can be made clean and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us confess our sins before God and one another using the prayer of confession as found in your bulletin. You shower us with blessings, with chances to know your grace. Still, O oh Lord, we twist your promises and pray for blessings we can own. You call us to leave our selfish ways and follow your call to compassion. Still, O oh Lord, we choose shallow belief over transformative faith. You have told us that your love is enough that the waters of mercy will not run dry. Still, O oh Lord, we choose fear instead of trust, hiding behind the illusion that we can survive on our own. Forgive us, Holy One, and by your forgiveness, offer a chance to try again. Hear the good news of the gospel. Christ is our peace. Those who are divided, he has made one. He breaks down barriers of separation through his word and builds us up into one body with Christ. To all who repent and believe, he has promised reconciliation. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Rise and let us sing together the Gloria Patri. Beloved Church, as forgiven people, we will now share the peace of Christ with one another as we have been practicing these past couple weeks and close to months. May the peace of Christ be with you. Let us share one and also with you. Let us share one another the peace of Christ. Peace be with you. I would now like to invite any young friends forward for the time for young disciples. Hello, Rory. Hello. Yeah, your mom's coming. She could come. Go ahead, find a seat. Go ahead. See. All right. Well, hello, Rory. It's good to see you. Hello, young friends at heart and young friends at home. I would like to share a story with you. A yes, I know. A story that is similar to our Bible story. So one time when I was about your age, I went to the grocery store with my mom. And we were at the grocery store. We got our groceries. We got an apple. We got a lemon. We got an orange. We got a banana, okay? 
and we got everything that we wanted at the grocery store and when it was time for us to to pay and to leave we went to the cash register and we went to go pay and then we realized the cash registers the cat the person at the cash register said that we don't need to pay for the groceries because somebody else already paid for us somebody else got their wallet and took money out and paid for us without us knowing I know somebody helped us without us knowing and what we really want to do that made us happy that made us surprised and what we wanted to do we wanted to help somebody else without them knowing and so we went and paid for the next person in line at the grocery store and so what happened in our text for today is that uh, Jesus helped somebody else without them knowing. I know. And so what we're going to do this week is to pay attention to where God helps us so that we can help one another. That's right. Like bringing our whole family together. I know. That's great. So do you think we can pray together? Can you repeat after me? Okay. You repeat after me so we can pray. Say, dear God, we thank you for your help. And we pray that you guide us to help others. Amen. Amen. All right, Rory, great job. So you can go back to time with music with Mrs. Carpenter. Thank you for joining me and the whole family. Let us come unto God and hear the words of Scripture. And before we do that, let us pray. Almighty God, you are hidden, but in you we have all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Open our eyes that we may see the wonders of your word. And give us grace that we may clearly understand and freely choose the way of your wisdom through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The words of Scripture today come from Mark's Gospel, fifth chapter, verses 1 through 20. Jesus and his disciples came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stopped out, stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain. For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke in pieces. And no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. So there on the hillside, a great herd of swine was feeding, and the unclean spirits begged him, Send us into the swine, let us enter them. 
So Jesus gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down to the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The swine herds ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. The very man who had had the legion. And they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And the man who had been possessed by demons went away and began to proclaim in the Decalopolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are on dry land, looking out over the water. As the mist starts to recede from our view, you can catch a glimpse of a hazy figure approaching. Eventually, we see a couple of boats of modest size and company, but standing resolutely, looking in our direction, is their leader. No, I am not talking about George Washington crossing the Delaware, but instead I am talking about Jesus crossing the Sea of Galilee. I'd like to imagine there have been a couple of towns and suburbs over the centuries with names like Jesus' Crossing that have popped up in the wake of our scripture passage this morning. Because this is an important story. As Jesus crosses the sea in chapter 5 of the Gospel of Mark, it is the first time Jesus is going into Gentile land. Gerasa is his destination, which is a part of the Decapolis, a collection of culturally Greek cities on the other side of the sea. Jesus is traversing to the other side of the tracks. He is crossing the border. He is entering the land of the other. And unlike George Washington crossing the Delaware looking for a fight, in our text for today, Jesus only found out he was on the receiving end of a battle once he stepped on shore. When we hear that Jesus was immediately approached by a man with unclean spirits, we have a hard time picturing what exactly that looks like. We have lost some of the original language and images that this story conjures up. In first century Palestine, there were no therapists or understanding of psychology. So to mark this man with an unclean spirit is not quite a man with a mental illness or a physical disability. To call him a criminal or a social outcast or a person with a deep inner conflict does not really get us to an accurate description of what Mark is trying to tell us here. Instead, Mark invites us to enter the story with ears of a first century listener. He invites us to look upon this scene with eyes able to see that a cosmic battle is occurring. To a first century listener, unclean spirit is a code word. It's a code word for a fight. It is a portal that leads us into the divine realm where the big stuff is being fought over. Love and hate, 
justice and tyranny, God's will and Satan's will. The eyes of a first century person can simultaneously see a physical Jesus being confronted by a physical man, while also seeing a spiritual Jesus being confronted by an adversarial spirit. The ears of a first century person hears that a man lives among the tombs while also hearing that the spirit of death has squashed all prospect of life in this area. The heart of a first century person bears witness to the scars and bruises on this man's body while knowing the spirit of isolation has restrained him with spiritual chains and shackles. The words unclean spirit in our text for today are a metaphor. They are a symbol of power raging against God's will. Now, I will be honest with you. I am not a big believer in ghosts. This is where my post-enlightenment mind, with all my beliefs of logic and science, has a hard time hearing out my friend Mark as he is telling stories about the power of unclean spirits. It is difficult, me, difficult for me to wade into the ter territory of physical realms and spiritual realms happening simultaneously with God and God's adversaries duking it out in real time. So while I am not a big believer in the power of ghosts, I am a big believer in the power of Pico. Yes, you heard me right, that semi-public utility that we only ever think about during a storm. Nothing really humbles my healthy sense of power and control over my life, quite like the sudden loss of losing electricity. When the lights go out, I get that sudden realization that my day as I knew it has changed drastically. No longer am I concerned about the game this afternoon or a couple of errands I was supposed to run, but I am now instead rushing to the cupboard for candles and checking in with my neighbors to see how they are doing. I go to check the internet or call the 1-800 number to see where we are in the line of dozens and dozens of people looking to get their lives back in order. During a storm, I am wondering, will it be minutes? Will it be days? When will I get my power back? We are powerless. So while my mind finds it hard to enter the spiritual power struggle that Mark describes in the gospel story this morning with unclean spirits, I do know what it is like to be at the disposal of outside forces greater than myself. Whether it is a storm that cuts off my electricity, or the gravity of the universe holding my feet to the ground, or the actions of billions of people in a global world, we are all in constant interaction with forces greater than ourselves. There are partisan political forces that use fear to pit us against one another. There are forces of nature that cause floods and tornadoes with increased frequency. There are forces of the pandemic that is constantly making us all rethink how long this thing is going to last. The story of the man with the unclean spirit is the recognition that there are powers in the world that can leave us scarred, that can leave us isolated, that can leave us feeling powerless. And also, that there is a power in the universe that is infinitesimally greater than anything else. Like a storm that is familiar with inflicting its will on the land it hovers, the unclean spirit confronts Jesus when he comes to Gerasa. With the startling speed of a rushing wind, the unclean spirit forces the man to immediately run up to Jesus. 
With a thunderous voice, the unclean spirit speaks through the man with words of torment, cunning, and vile. Like the growing swell of a hurricane, the unclean spirit multiplies itself to a force when it announces that it is actually a legion of spirits, which is a number of 2,000 to 600 spirits in this man's body. And yet, the unclean spirit was no match for Jesus. Jesus, who overpowered the Spirit's size, the Spirit's words, the Spirit's destruction. When Jesus is faced with this confrontational power, he does not waver in the wind, but remains steadfast. When Jesus is confronted with agonizing words, Jesus does not throw them back in the man's face, but responds with a gentle and humane response. What is your name? Jesus asks. When Jesus, who is acting alone, is met with a force of a thousand, he is not defeated, but instead finds humanity in the mob. He is able to restore the soul of who is in front of him. He begins the kingdom work, one person at a time. The message of this story from Mark's gospel is clear. God is powerful. And not only is God powerful, but there is no spirit... There is no idea, there is no person, there is no force more powerful than God. And when we are confronted with this message, it changes us. It liberates us. It empowers us. As Jesus is packing up to leave across the sea, the man who has just been healed wishes desperately to go with him. Who would blame him for wanting to be with this wonderful force of good, this power of liberating love? But Jesus has another idea. Go home to your friends, Jesus said, and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Like the man in this story, we know the power of Jesus in our lives. We witness the miracle of life and the love of family that surrounds a young child. We witness it in the human resilience in times of trouble and in heeding of a neighbor's call for help. We witness it in the joy of a belly laugh that came from a place that we forgot was there. We witness it in the relief when a prayer is answered and in the wisdom to know that God is even there when that prayer hasn't been answered. For as long as people are willing to tell the good news of God in the world, no power will be able to conquer it, Mark tells us this morning. Project Home is a nonprofit organization that works to end homelessness in Philadelphia. I was able to work for this organization one year after college. While I was there, I heard about their rich history, about a group of passionate people coming together and asking folks who lived on the street how they would end homelessness. I heard about how one overnight shelter in the 80s grew to be a multi-million dollar operation providing affordable housing, education, work, and health care. I heard about how they and others were able to help the city of Philadelphia provide housing to all veterans experiencing homelessness in 2013. So hearing all this, I desperately wanted to meet the head of the organization, a radical nun named Sister Mary Scullion. 
On paper, this woman would be the definition of powerless. She started an organization to help folks that people were scared of or people that were skeptical of with little money or resources. Yet she was able to help thousands of people get out of homelessness while simultaneously getting senators, billionaires, and even John Bon Jovi to join their efforts. So when I finally got the opportunity to be in a question and answer session with Sister Mary, I asked her, how were you able to get powerful people to listen to you and join your movement? And she replied, we treated them like we treat everybody else. We invite them to see what we are doing and to meet the people we love. And they joined us. Hearing this, I promptly smiled and said, thank you. But in the back of my mind, I was immediately thinking, is that it? She is holding out on me. She doesn't want me to hear her secrets. She is running a multi-million dollar organization and is working against powerful forces. She is relying on basic invitations and love. That sounds too good to be true. But as I finished out that year of work, I started to realize the power of what she said. I watched visitors enter through that organization, a drabby, small, crowded hallway. And when they left, they had a lot more friends than when they first got there. I witnessed the ways a conversation over breakfast could lead to a years-long commitment to help someone get access to a home. I saw people of different races, of different classes, of different abilities find a community and find belonging in a world that rejected them. And who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Who wouldn't want to be a part of that kind of transformative power. It is too good to not be true. Sister Mary Scullion and her peers heard Jesus' call that Jesus made to the man at the end of our scripture passage this morning. Through their work and determination, they bore witness to the power of God in their lives and helped share that power with the world. And even though this world consists of forces that pull us in many directions, we are reminded that God's will is always calling us to what is greater, to what is true. We, have all, we all have the opportunity to bear witness to what the Lord has done to us. The ways we have received God's grace the ways we have witnessed transformation, the ways we have participated in the power of God's love to do that this day and in days to come. So let it be so. Amen. Having heard the word of God read and proclaimed, let us affirm our faith by standing and repeating, reading the words from the Belhar Confession as found in the bulletin. Please rise. First, a few words. The Confession of Belhar, if you're not familiar, was written by the Dutch Reformed Mission Church in South Africa in 1986 as a protest against the heretical theological stance by the white Dutch Reformed Church that used the Bible and the confessions to justify the harsh and unjust system of apartheid. It was adopted by the Presbyterian Church USA in 2016 and added to our book of confessions. 
So let us affirm our faith. We believe that God has entrusted the church with the message of reconciliation in and through Jesus Christ. We believe that the church is called to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, that the church is called blessed because it is a peacemaker, that the church is witness both by word and by deed to the new heaven and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. We believe that God's life-giving word and spirit has conquered the powers of sin and death, and therefore also of near reconciliation and hatred, bitterness and enmity, that God's life-giving word and spirit will enable the church to live in a new obedience which can open new possibilities of life for society and the world. Let us continue our worship by singing together hymn number 821, My Life Flows On.
Please be seated. Let us come unto God in prayer. Opening our hearts and minds to our Lord, who comes into our hearts and minds, knows our thoughts, knows our feelings. Let us offer them to our Lord. Let us pray. O Lord, we give you thanks this day that we may come into your presence. We bring ourselves with our skills, our hopes, our dreams, and our gifts. Sustain us by your power so that we and our gifts may go forth in quietness and in strength to do your work in the world, to do your work in the sanctuary, to do your work in the neighborhoods of our community. Give us courage to reach out to assist the healing of the mind, body, and spirit of those in need. Grant us a strong voice in the proclamation of the gospel at home and abroad. Gracious God, we gather here today with unknown tomorrows. We seek your guard guidance for the journey we are called upon as we go out into the future. We know that you have revealed yourself to us in Jesus Christ. He shows us the ways of compassion and healing. He shows us the ways of prayer and service. Help us when our path of faith is obscured by clouds of doubt, clouds of sentimentality. Help us on our path when our faith comes in conflict with populist opinion. Lead us in grace, knowing the power of your steadfast love that overcomes the demons we may fear. Open our eyes this day, O God, to see the people who labor on our behalf. Open our eyes to see those who may be ill and sick. Open our hearts to people who do not have food, water, and shelter. Open us to those who mourn. Help us to look around, O oh God, in our homes, in our pews, in our communities. Heal the brokenness among us that we may glorify you as we live in your spirit. We pray that you will grant us strength to uphold us as we pray and as we live with compassion and love with all peoples. And now with the confidence of being the children of God, let us pray as Christ taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us debt as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Beloved church, God is powerful. So powerful that there is no idea, no person, no spirit, no force greater than our God. So let us bear witness to the ways of God's powerful love in our world and do, do likewise. And as we go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, be with those you love, be with those whom you're called to love, this day, forevermore. Amen.